0: One we're, of, live. Uh, we we're live, live right we're live we're live on youtube what's up it's the tom and z evening rounds we may have, already been kind of live. have we been live i don't see are we live i don't see live. how come i don't see my video oh there it is, Your connection is okay. yeah there we go oh i see it hamid saeed yeah. says hi hamid how are you, Hamid, my boy my boy the saeed that's right hamid saeed hey.
1: Can we talk about something?
0: I got hoes on different area codes. I missed you, my guy. I missed you too, man. I, I feel like we won't get to hang out as much. You know what? <laughs> Ever since I moved, it hasn't been the same. They said long-distance relationships could work hundred, but they lied. It's pain. It's painful. It is painful. You know? But you know, as a great man once said, life is pain, princess. Mm. I don't know who that great man. I don't was, know that reference. But uh, it's a Princess Bride. I thought you were a child of the '90s. The Princess Bride sucks. And okay, that's racist. I refuse to watch it. It's so racist yeah. because it had uh, it had uh, Andre the Giant in Here it. Here are who some movies black. I won't watch: The yes. Princess
1: Bride, mm-hmm. uh, Romancing the Stone. Okay. Uh, what was I want? The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh,
0: with the bear. Yeah, those mm-hmm. are really the only three. I want to give a shout out to. <laughs> <laughs> to the new z supporters on uh, YouTube, they're showing up with green badges. Ashley Stewart, Don Pulliam, Tony Frank, uh, Ronald Stokes, Rhonda Fenby-Morse. What are you moving that from? Hey! Logan! He moves some stuff. Okay, man. guys, let's be honest. Do I do this better myself? I do this better myself, don't you think? Should we fire Logan? <laughs> Except he's so adorable, we can't.
1: We just can't do it. Callie wants to know which is better for you as creators, Facebook or YouTube.
0: Oh, what a great question. Let's First go of all,
1: that. don't call me creators. <laughs> a, we're like influencers. It. I don't like right. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the word influencer? I, feel I hate like it. I hate that word. It's the word. worst word ever. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah,
0: I am an influencer. I have several Starbucks uh, gift certificates. A lot
1: of you have been asking me about my skincare routine. Okay, swipe up promo code my skincare routine. Like, that's what I think of as an influencer. I think of like girls selling skinny tea on yeah.
0: Instagram. Yeah. You know.
1: You know what would be? I amazing? don't think of what we do, trying to change, talking about healthcare systems reform as a influencer.
0: It, it's the equivalent, like, sort of kind of cognitive dissonance of like somebody with like early, full blown acquired immune deficiency syndrome in the '80s becoming famous as an influencer to tell people about getting, you know, having this horrible disease. Like that would be a real influencer, right? Like that. Wow. You they can, can just actually. say his name. His name was Magic Johnson. You're right. He was a great man. I, he's still alive. Tom. He's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, they really
1: cured him, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: they, you know I think we've basically beaten AIDS. I think the answer's not, but I think that rich people have beaten AIDS. Can you
1: Okay, can you explain this to me honestly as somebody who lived through the AIDS epidemic as, to me, somebody who did not live through the AIDS epidemic?
0: You died in the AIDS
1: what epidemic. What I have heard from people that lived through the AIDS epidemic was that it was like a zombie apocalypse. Like people, like once Magic Johnson got it, people thought people were just going to start dropping
0: like flies. Yeah. Because they were like, how did Magic Johnson get it? You know? It it, it was, uh, I I was, uh, I was there Gandalf in the (laughs) 90s, like in San Francisco general and seeing young gay men dying of this disease. And not only that, but like it was, it was a socioeconomic Equalizer in those days because it didn't matter whether you're rich or poor, you could still really get sick of really weird opportunistic infections. And but then later it became more a disease of uh, neglect because you couldn't afford the medication or you had bad you know, mental illness, uh, poor compliance with these very complicated drug regimens. So, you know, it'd be like this homeless guy in the middle of the night, 1995 or six or something, and spiking high temperatures, and they call the student in to draw the blood because. That's how you learn. And the nurses at San Francisco General don't draw blood in the middle of the night. So it has to be the the doctors. And so, and it's good because that's a great learning environment. The problem was like, here I am. I don't know. I'm still like learning to draw blood. I'm shaking. This guy's like delirious. He's got a temperature of 104, which means that his blood is swarming with HIV virions. And I'm just like, I'm going to die today. This is going to, listen to that. The black helicopters have come, Logan. I knew it. Anytime Logan shows up, the helicopters follow.
1: Wait, so what was protocol like when you were going into like a AIDS infested, like full blown AIDS infested patients uh, room?
0: There, there wasn't much of a protocol.
1: So it was just you being like real scared uh, it, it would and be like, like contact precautions, yeah.
0: Like, contact precautions, you wear a mask, you wear a gown, you wear gloves. And a lot of times it was just gloves. And the truth is uh, we were all terrified. Yeah. Because it, it was, like you said, in those days, it still had the stigma of being a death sentence. And you know, if you got a needle stick or something happened, you could die. Yeah, And the thing is, I don't think many of us went into medicine, we wanted to help people, we wanted to sacrifice a lot, but we didn't want to sacrifice our lives. Right. So that was an interesting thing. I mean, unless you go work for like Doctors Without Borders or something.
1: What was the feeling like between you and the patient, like when you would go in for the stick?
0: You know, I don't think, see, a lot of the times, it was either a patient who was so deliriously ill with something that no one had any experience treating because it was an infectious disease that had never been seen in immuno Normative patients, <laughs> right? right? Uh, so you know you're dealing with something that you're like, wait, Toxo can do this, or it's just something crazy. Yeah. So there was this like sense of the unknown, like what what's going on? And but but at San Francisco General, there's a sense of like this uh, vibrant energy, like the whole place seemed to exist to solve this problem. Mm. Like here you are in the you know you remember in. Uh, <clears throat> in that Lord of the Rings movie, like one of the elves tells like Bilbo or something, welcome to the heart of elvendom upon (laughs) earth. When you walk into San Francisco General, it was like, welcome to the heart of figuring out the AIDS epidemic, right? Because this is ground zero. Ground zero, yeah. um, Castro district. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, uh, because we had to do home visits too. And so we would go, and it was almost always somebody who's HIV positive, living with it, Struggling with it. And they would have interesting complications like early onset atherosclerosis, which was something they were starting to figure out. There's something having to do with the inflammatory stuff. We couldn't figure it out, but these patients were getting uh, atherosclerotic disease. It, it, it it's interesting too because it taught me a lot. Like here I am this I'm this kid from Clovis, California. Like it's one of the most conservative places in California. Mm-hmm. And of course I fancy myself as like liberal. I'm gonna go to UCSF. I'm the most liberal kid on the block, right? Yeah. No, I was the by far you the have most deeply conservative <clears throat> roots. Yeah. D- yeah coming from this place, it still like San Francisco took me by shock. I was just like, oh my gosh, there's like guys holding hands and there's all this stuff going on. And it took like a good like few months to re- and I went to Berkeley and Berkeley didn't even have that level of stuff going on in terms of just just the over the topness of it to somebody who'd never seen it. So I was still adjusting to all this and then and you go into this HIV epidemic that was just going crazy. And so at the time, I remember going to these guys' house and 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 seeing this human being in their home. And that, that, see, it's one thing to see somebody in the hospital because you're like, I don't know anything about this person. They're a gown, they're a problem to be solved. That's how it feels, especially when you're in training and then you go in their house and you see them sitting there very politely they're really happy to have the attention of a medical student and be part of this training and you're just you're you're deeply moved by the whole thing and you're yeah. like wow this is like this guy's almost more human than me because he's dealing with this thing that this this damocles sword over his head yet he's got the patience and the time to come have a medical student into his home and you're and i remember that was when i suddenly woke up and was like I don't understand how anyone can judge somebody based on their sexual orientation. It makes no mm-hmm. sense to me. These are human beings like us, and uh, and this was in a period when it was still like you know there was still like open homophobia and all this other stuff. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was a, it was a great experience for me, and I think uh, illustrate it. And, and so now the problem is now I struggle with well, w- that should be the default. Why are we constantly censoring our speech and doing all these other things and making people feel different in that way when we ought to just be treating everyone like human beings, right? You and I have had this discussion. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because you know, back in the day, San Francisco
1: used to be the place that like you were from a repressive Midwestern household and you were a gay man, and you knew you were a gay man, and you would right. come to San Francisco to live as a gay man. As a gay man, right? And your your family back in woman, the, yeah. your family back in the Midwest would have some version of the story that was different. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, uh, Johnny works out doing doing uh, boat work, you know, on the on the, at the shipping American yards, American beauty stuff, yeah, whatever." Yeah. Right? Mm. And, you know, does he have a wife yet? No, you know, he uh, failed relationships, mm. uh, you know, that that kind of thing. And mm. people would just kind of sweep it under the rug. And wasn't there like there was a a presidential assassination attempt? Right? Here at some point, and was it on Reagan or was it on Carter? I can't remember the story, but somebody, uh, I remember the guy who f- uh, foiled the attempt. Was it, there's a woman with a funny name who tried to kill the president. Oh, yeah, 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 You know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about? Right. What was her name? Oh, I'm trying to remember. It was right.
0: like squeaky something yeah. weird. It wasn't squeaky frog. Right, right, it but it was something like, somebody, like that. Something crazy.
1: But anyway, the guy who foiled the attempt was a gay man. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And uh, that was, you know, what his story was. He had come out here from wherever and, you know, he was living his life. And then when the, you know, the attention started getting... Uh, Voiced upon him because he had—he's a hero. He he saved right his family back home. Started to like learn what was going on out here. So it was sort of interesting.
0: You don't want to be outed that way, right? Right. This was back in the time when we
1: had. I, you know, it's always interesting. Like, why would somebody care about somebody's sexual orientation? Like, whatever you do, whatever you and another consenting adult does, right? What does it matter? What does it matter? Right. 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 Now here's the thing. I got every right to think it's hilarious. You know, (laughs) like that's that's something that you can do. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like,
0: yeah. like, if you
1: told me you were like, hey, Tom, here's my thing. I like to get tied up and then I have uh, my wife put peanut butter in my butthole. I would be like, that's hilarious. I think the, but I wouldn't,
0: I, I wouldn't begrudge your right to right, do Right, exactly. Yeah. I think being able to laugh at someone's uh, sexual fetishes, is a God-given right. It is. As long as you still respect them as a human being. You have to respect them right. as a human because, being. because I mean... I, and,
1: and vote for their right to do those exactly right. things, whatever they are. For example, Logan
0: yeah. likes toes. He, this is not. I have no evidence of this, but this is known, <laughs> right? It's like, it's like consciousness is self-aware. Logan likes toes. He's got a toe fetish. <laughs> Don't uh, you think this is a generational thing as well? Because even the
1: conservatives I know in my generation are like, oh yeah, gay people, let them be.
0: I I think there is a component of that. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a waking up unfolding to the possibility that what you thought was the only way to be in the world is not. Yeah. yeah. And right. and that's that's true. So they, they, you know liberals have sort of taken this word progressive. I think real real progress is is a natural outgrowth of human society. It happens.
1: Well, don't you think it's a it's a dearth of progress to be overly
0: progressive? Well, to continue to progress past the point of uh, sanity. I, I think what's yeah, I think what we're seeing is yeah. the end stage of that wave of progressivism, where now it just becomes a parody of itself. Yes, and even even intellectual liberals are looking at it going, these people are crazy, like something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we've, we've gone off the rails. Like people like Sam Harris, who's an intellectual liberal, looks at the far left and their behavior on on things like cancel culture and call out culture and all this nonsense and they go, this is just dumb. And, and the way that academic society is being suppressed and you know, you have people being deplatformed. No, the idea of college is you have people that you disagree with show up and you debate them. Yeah, You hear these ideas and you're challenged by ideas that offend or disgust you this is a weird place mm. why is
1: san francisco so weird why is the bay area so weird what is yeah, it about one of the this roots place? of it because all of this happens here it's true i and was thinking about this as i was flying into the harvey milk terminal today right you know harvey milk is like uh, and i couldn't buy a fucking bottle of water <laughs> <laughs> because you can only buy <laughs> water in a cardboard box and i was like thanks Progressive America.
0: <laughs> hey man, we're right next to the bay,
1: okay? At any point that <laughs> But that- what, there's something about San Francisco. I mean, the gold rush, Silicon Valley, all these crazy progressive ideas, uh gay culture, like yeah. you know the tech the techno the techno oligopolies that we deal with today. Like all this weird mix of is this like
0: what a libertarian state would be like? Is this what like a free state would look like, you know? It's a good question. I think it's a combination of like, people want to be here because it's got great weather. So you attract, you know, the affluent, affluent elite. Yes. Then you have proximity to Asia. So you have a lot of immigration from cultures that... Uh, sort of value things like math and engineering and those kind of things, and so you have all of that. Then you have the university culture that sprang up with Stanford and Berkeley, UCSF, and these big institutions here, and you have a very tight urban density where people exchange ideas, and then you have the 60s, which it just so happened, kind of you have this waking up with psychedelics and stuff in this area. So to this day, there's a, a spirituality epicenter in the Bay Area. That story that underpins gets, everything. That sixty
1: story gets told uh, in, in in with rose colored glasses on. It, oh, well, right, it's a thousand percent, because it was yeah. just a bunch of dirty kids doing speed.
0: <laughs>
1: and it was a bunch of drug addicts that well, had come here to do speed and take LSD. Yeah, that's probably conservative re- revisionist history. <laughs> not, re- not really, not really, because I've talked to the people that were living here at the time. Like my my mother has all these stories about it. Right. But yeah. They're, but they're you know
0: she hated it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everybody that was living here at the time hated it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, no. Well, let's put it this way. I think working class people who lived here that weren't part of this counterculture movement yes. hate, must have hated it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's. Which was most people back then. Most yeah, people course, were from yeah, working class. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: the counterculture is named counter for a reason. It's not the mainstream culture. Right. Yeah. Right. We kind of, I think it's true. We paint the 60s as this thing. Yeah. But really, most people were like, you know, nuclear families, living at home, not yeah. doing acid. And.
1: Uh, well, the 60s started as like an elite liberal thing too. Like with, um, you know, Timothy Leary came out of Harvard. And that that was where the. That's, that was where it all stemmed from, from the universities, right? Strain,
0: strain of intellectual. Yeah, but yeah. then when you tell the world to get on drugs, things go bad. Like, of course they do. <laughs> you know, the problem with Leary, and this is the thing, so this was in in that Michael Pollan book too, talked about it quite a bit. He was an unhinged, not unhinged, he was genuinely the wrong ambassador yes. for the potential of psychedelics. Because he's saying, go and do them for fun with your friends, everyone should do them. Yeah. And I think his idea, at least in, In retrospect, what he was saying is he he told people that, well, if enough people do this drug, there'll be enough people waking up to, you know, expanding their consciousness and going, oh, okay, the world can be a better place. But what ended up happening was the drug got terribly stigmatized because people had bad experiences because Mm -hmm. set and setting matter when using high dose psychedelics. So now we're set back, you know, 30 years from the promise of these medications used under guided circumstances. And psychiatry, as it is, struggles with reductionist. Models.
1: It's interesting <laughs> because as a person who's like sort of you know somewhat at some time psychonaut like which is a phrase meaning I do psychedelic drugs. That's like influencer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I'm a psychonaut.
1: Um, <laughs> I've always thought in my mind, wouldn't it be great to go back to like nineteen you know pre nineteen sixty seven like the early sixties yeah. and when LSD was legal in America and there was no cultural baggage or stigma and do LSD at that point
0: in time mm. because it seems like you'd have a very clean, clear uh, trip. You know? Well, it's interesting. So the earliest trips were people who, again, there was no psychological expectation. So the guy who discovered it, Hoffman, right, was mm-hmm. like, he just accidentally spilled it. I forget what the story was, but... It was a bi- he rode his bicycle home right. after...
1: He invented it in the lab on accident. Right. It soaked into his fingers. Something Then like he rode that. his bicycle home and, you know, tripped out. Tripped like, out. Pretty hard. And hardcore. the trip that he described... Thought he was dying.
0: Right, and, right, right. right. His, his ego death and all that. I mean, he had everything. And... and there was no bag. I, I actually think, and Sam Harris said this recently when he was, uh, oh, this was a great, oh my god, you guys! If you haven't heard this episode, you sh- you would love this. Yeah. So you know Richard Dawkins, yeah, yeah. famous hardcore, evolutionary biologist, hardcore, hardcore atheist. atheist. Yeah. He invented um, the word meme for people who don't know. He invented the word meme, and actually they it's talked true. about that, and he's really pissed that it's been hijacked by stupid pictures. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> fuck him too, because it's a meme. Fuck Richard Dawkins is the new meme. So so Dawkins and Harris go way back to the early days of like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Him, Dan Dennis. Christopher Hitchens, Hitchens yeah. and uh and with the new atheists, like right. these intellectual atheists. So uh he's interviewing Hawkins or for like the 20th seventh Dawkins for like the 27th time or whatever. So they're like, let's just go deep on some shit. Okay, let's talk about memes, let's talk about this yeah. so at one point then Daw- Dawkins asks Harris about psychedelics because Harris has experience with psychedelics, and he's never done them. Yeah, you
1: know, this is interesting. The reason he asked Harris is because Dawkins had been on Rogan's show,
0: uh, that's right, before this interview. That's right.
1: And Rogan was bullying Dawkins about that's never having done sex, Alex.
0: That's Felix. right. That's right. And he deserves to be bullied. So this is this is what ended up happening. Because listen, listen, the first time when I did acid in college, I had an experience where I said, "Oh, oh, yeah." There's a sense of revealed um, truth, mm-hmm. and so, and I said, "Oh, this is what." The people who have done this have experienced, and now I understand that. And the people who've never done it are missing a major portal into a way the mind can be, that, it's really a shame that they're missing. Yeah. Assuming they have a good trip, and that's the problem, you can't assume that. So so, do- so Harris tells Dawkins, like, oh, this is the thing, this is what psychedelics are like, this is why they're important, they show you a way the mind can be, and that then allows you to approach things like meditation with a passion, because you go, oh, I see what can be possible, uh, I see why, let's go and try to do it without drugs that can give you the, all these bad <clears throat> untoward consequences. So Dawkins is just like well, Sam, you're very, convincing about this I mean it sounds like I want to try this but he's like well this is how you should do it this and that so then he goes okay let me take you through a meditation see if that's maybe something so Sam does this guided five minute meditation with Dawkins Dawkins is silent the whole time eyes closed and Sam's going through his his shtick that I've done via his app and I know exactly what he's doing and yeah I'm like oh yeah yeah yeah." Dawkins opens his eyes at the end and he goes so what did you think what do you think of that and Dawkins effectively said that was so boring, it was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. I don't see why you can, I don't know how you can do that on retreat, I just don't get it. And I, it was fascinating. This is one of yeah. the smartest people around, right? And uh, it didn't surprise me at all.
1: Well, this is why people need LSD exactly. or DMT or psilocybin mushrooms, is because I used to be a person like Dawkins too. Me too. Uh, and then, you know, you can't fake it yeah. when LSD hits you. Yeah, it's It's real. like boom we're going to the fucking top of the mountain right now. Exactly. And you know, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, pretend like you're not having a profound experience. You're having a profound
0: experience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The way uh, Harris describes is like meditation is like, you know, a boat and you're hoisting a sail. You might catch a wind. You might go somewhere. It's going to be hard work. You have to Mm -hmm. know how to sail. It's going to take practice. LSD is like strapping yourself to a rocket rocket. ship. Yeah. Yeah, You're going to go somewhere. You don't know where it is, but it's going to be somewhere different and it's going to be somewhere alien. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, and that's exactly correct. And so Dawkins, it was really interesting because Harris really put his all into this yeah. and Dawkins was just not having any of it.
1: And Dawkins probably made up his mind at the beginning of the conversation that this how was, he was, was going to respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be like, yeah. how how funny would it be if I was just like, I don't feel <laughs> anything, Sam. Yeah, you know,
0: I, I actually wonder, I actually think he's actually being honest. I think that it's very easy when you're, especially when you're a skeptic and a hardcore intellectual, yeah. you're used to thinking all day. And meditation is about... The observing of that. your thinking, yeah. not not thinking about thinking, right? And I think that's where and Harris said this as much. So
1: it was really fascinating. I, was like, I well, have a very hard time with this myself, like in terms mm-hmm. of meditation, because I was telling uh, Logan on the plane on the way here, like. I don't really that's Logan right there by the way (laughs) Logan say hi
0: to everyone it's been a minute oh there he is
1: (laughs) I don't I don't really for me I don't love to like go out and do things that are what I consider distractions Mm. so like I consider basically everything a distraction Mm. you know traveling Mm. is a distraction going to like a little like Logan went to an air show the other day I was like that's a distraction (laughs) you know know what's a
0: distraction Dizzy Miss Lizzie just joined the super pack subscribers on YouTube way Dizzy Miss Lizzie back to you Tom um so my my point is, I always have like a
1: thought I'm turning over in my mind always. And sometimes these thoughts can persist for months, right? Mm. And if I'm at an air show or something or I'm at a wherever, I'm just like, oh, some planes are flying around. Anyway, back to the nature of consciousness. I wonder why. <laughs> so I I don't like having, if I if I feel like there's no respite, like I haven't conquered this thought or like, what's the way to put it? if I haven't figured out the thing I'm trying to figure out, yeah, then I can't stop working on the problem. Cause right. I have like that scientist model of the world where right. like, I want the truth. And if I haven't figured out this piece of truth that I'm working on, I cannot rest to meditate. It does not feel good to rest and meditate.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. it's hard. I think also you're still young and your mind is going a billion miles an hour. Yeah. I think when I was your age, I would have had a real hard time meditating. You know, it's interesting, so this morning I woke up, I woke up a little early with, uh, you know that feeling of anxiety? Oh yeah. Yeah, you know it well, I know it well too. (laughs) We both suffer from it a little bit. It's intermittent now with me, it's not constant. So when I was younger, it was constant. Like go to med school, pits wet, scared all the time. Yeah. This feeling, it's like a little person in your chest like a little hummingbird that's just like, yeah. look at me, something's wrong. And um, so I woke up with that this morning and I approached it with some meditative equanimity where I said, oh, this is interesting. I'm curious about this. Let me approach this sensation with curiosity because that's what it is, a sensation arising. You can get lost in that and go, this is me, or you can go, oh, this is occurring within me, I am feeling this, I am aware of this, this is welcome actually, let me see what this is. And I started examining it and feeling it and seeing what it was doing and I had this weird imaginary conversation with this thing, this little sub mind that was trying to tell me something and I'm like, hey, it's okay man, (laughs) you're safe. Like no one's gonna hurt you, no one's gonna laugh at you, no one's gonna, you know, try to harm you. And uh you could feel it kind of like it's still there, but it was no longer a sense of, ooh, something's wrong, I need to do yeah. something. And it was like, yeah, I have this little guy right now who's he needs attention.
1: It's so interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And it's a. what do you think did you did you come to the conclusion of what you were anxious about?
0: No. Yeah. I, I think I can extrapolate that it's well, you guys are coming in today, we have a lot of stuff to do. I, have a, to get done. I general, have a sponsored show later in the day, right, right. In fact, yeah. coming up right, right after this on Facebook, we'll be doing a thing with fatuity, which will be great with a doctor I've never met about a topic I don't know about. Yeah. So unconsciously, I'm probably anxious about it. Consciously, I'm like, I do this every day, it's just no big deal, Yeah. Right? So I think it's the unconscious part trying to keep you safe, going, worry about this. This should be something you should worry about. And I'm like, bro, we got this. It's cool.
1: Can I tell you a uh, problem I have is I cannot get over the feeling of if I get a bill Hmm. that I didn't know about for like, let's say $300 or something Hmm. like that, right? Like I can, even though I have the money in the account to pay the bill, existential dread.
0: Oh, I'm with you. I you get know? the same thing. It's right. like someone is trying to kill me.
1: And it does. Yeah, exactly. It's like like you got something on your arm. Right. And it's going to murder you. Why is that? I don't know. I have know. the same thing. I can't stop it. I got it. a
0: medical bill for like something that should have been covered. Yeah. And I just saw it. Now, it was only like 80 bucks. Yeah. And I... And I was like, it was like someone was trying to stab me. Well, you can,
1: you can end up like ruining uh, your life over perseverating about that. Right. You know, you can ruin your whole day. Oh yeah. Just being like, uh. And then my problem is, I'll procrastinate paying the bill. Yeah. So then
0: it then, then it becomes late charges. It
1: extends that feeling. <laughs> right. You know. Like, right. so now I'm sitting with that feeling all week instead of
0: I should have just paid it that day, right, been, right. Over, been done with it. You know? Right, right. Chris Ryan just helped us pay our bills. He's a member of the Super PAC. Ooh, ooh. Guys, so by the way, that, that subscriber thing on YouTube is new. You're part of a brave new world. We already have a bunch of subscribers. We're going to do unique stuff for you guys, but don't worry about it. Right now we're talking to the whole page, but I love you guys for supporting the show. It makes all this possible without commercial entanglements. Speaking of which, guys, we're going to have to run in a second, aren't we? Because it's 316 we got to go check out this new studio space we're exploring for Studio 3.0, because that would be the third version. This is version 2.0. What do you think, Tom Heineber? Are we three? This is 2.0? Oh, yeah, you're right. I want to hit this 4. one real 0. quick.
1: Rhonda K says, I, yep, I have just recently realized I have anxiety. I am one of these people, too. Me, too. I did not know I had anxiety, because if you would have asked me, I'd be like, am no, not anxious, bro. No, I'm not Whatever. Anxious. And me. then And then like you guys would be like, you're anxious, dude. Yeah. You're like always talking about stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just making sure that nothing ever harms me.
0: <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. Yeah, this morning I remember, and then, so, so what's, what's interesting? I woke up with this feeling at like five, which was actually kind of late for me. I was like, oh. So I was already on a better step because I was like, normally this anxiety would have gotten me up at two or three. Right. And I wouldn't have been able to go back to sleep. It's better that it's five. Yeah. In fact, you're like, doing good, Zidane. Yeah. Doing pretty good. Yeah, doing pretty good. I have the same feeling. Right? You're like, I have some equanimity. (laughs) Like, I can be curious about this feeling instead of angry or frustrated or upset, like... Dude, My whole night is like, ruined.
1: This is so funny. Normally, on days I travel, I wake up at like 3 a.m. Yeah. and then I can't get back to sleep. Yeah. Today, I woke up at 6 a.m. and I was like, You're the fucking man, yeah. Tom. Good job sleeping, bro.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Whereas he's so proud. I
1: know that Logan wakes up 15 minutes before he's got to leave the house every time we travel. Right? <laughs> Chill vibes. See? Chill Island vibes. <laughs> How come? some of us are just cursed with this anxiety man. yeah
0: you know uh, you know and actually with uh higher functioning and stuff uh, so particularly with like gifted kids and stuff yeah. they get really neurotic and anxious and and i remember i, d- I did that personality test. i scored really high on neuroticism ocd these kind of things associated with a lot more anxiety so it's it's yeah. a real thing so but the thing is but the point is the take-home point i think as we had to get, get going soon is this is manageable without drugs. Oh. Without drugs. Let me tell you before you
1: reiterate your point about the, you know, listening to your feelings. Uh, no, no, so <laughs> you no, made it, just, it sound really. Uh, no, which is a very, super valid point. Too pussy for life. <laughs> it just, it just sounds judgmental when I say it for some reason, but. <laughs> i i recently just a simple thing you can do to mitigate uh anxiety i just cut out caffeine and oh my god my sleep is so much better i have so much less anxiety i was like realizing like why i'm drinking four or five hundred milligrams of caffeine every day this is a central nervous system stimulant that i'm putting in my system all the time no wonder i'm so anxious all the time
0: doesn't it make you wonder a little bit like uh if we believe in conscious agent theory, yeah, this icon of caffeine molecule, right. which I've synthesized in organic chemistry as a student. So I've made caffeine from its precursor chemicals. Yeah. So I've created this icon, right? What if it's a little conscious agent that's just this little anxious piece of shit <laughs> 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 that in small doses with the right um, yeah. uh, host makes you a little more woke and a little yeah. more, hey, I'm a little bit more on top of things. Well,
1: isn't that the thing that caffeine does for you is it makes you alert. Alert. it doesn't make you not tired no 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 it makes you alert it
0: raises your level right? of arousal in other words it, yes. your ability to and that's why physicians love it i mean yeah people everybody love it. loves everybody it. Loves our society caffeine. runs on right. caffeine yeah. but you overdo it you don't even know what's happening that yeah. little anxietyogen is now uh sticking it right in your fucking nuts it's and, true and uh it's true I, I, too much you know one of the <laughs> so i took an mcat class when i was a, when i was a student so, this was like a, uh, like a uh, you know, the Berkeley Review, all right, in, in Berkeley. This is this homebred b- class. And I used to sit in the back and I was an asshole. And one day I, I decided I was going to go to Starbucks or something. I never go to Starbucks, I would just get coffee from Strada, one of these little local yeah. Berkeleys. And I, I got this fucking huge thing and I, I was sipping it in the back of the class, yeah. getting progressively, didn't know this, progressively more irritable and <laughs> wound up. And I started talking to the people next to me and Dale, the biology teacher who owns the company, started lecturing and he was lecturing and he does he's normally really super mellow, chill mm-hmm. island vibes like Logan, right? And I was like, fuck this and fuck this. And he goes, Zubin, do you have a problem with what I'm saying? I mean, this is really disruptive what you're doing. And it took me by surprise because I wasn't paying attention. I was just irritable and yeah. I didn't even realize it was the caffeine until I was like, fuck this and I walked out It was like two days before the MCAT. Wow! I walked out with my shit and I left and I didn't come back. And I went home and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like that's not me. I just walked, Dale's like a smart guy. I'm paying to be in this class. The MCAT's coming up, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like high volatility, yeah, but something really off. And it turns out I realized, because it had been repeatable when I'd have large amounts of caffeine, I'd become a raging fucking asshole. Yeah. And so we forget these things are drugs. And you know what's the best part of that story? Dale calls me five weeks later after the MCAT scores come back, and he's like, yeah, we'd like you to come teach for us. And I was like, didn't we leave on very bad terms? (laughs) (laughs) But he recognized that we were just stressed the fuck out. yeah, yeah with yeah, that yeah. kind of he he. Understood. he's
1: probably if he's been teaching mk he's probably seen kids break all the time you know like he,
0: he created this company from scratch he's a true yeah, entrepreneur totally. he knows his shit totally right? game recognized so game.
1: funny too because this is the hard part about being an adult is like if if your child wanted to mainline a venti with a quad shot in it you'd be like <laughs> no bitch you can't do that <laughs> yeah exactly right but if you want to do it you're like i'm an adult i do what right. i want that's right nobody can stop me now <laughs> also speed <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right all right that's the end of the show that was a lot of fun i want so he's out i want to thank the youtube supporters (laughs) he's totally gone he's gonna go shit himself now because of the caffeine uh i love you guys i'll share this one to the supporters on facebook as well because i love you guys he's turning off the lights the lights are now off i hate you tom heinover roll the credits we don't have any fucking credits all right bye (laughs)